Welcome back into the Nick Bob Podcast. Uh, I've been Husker football heavy on this pod, uh, but y'all know I'm a college basketball lover at heart. And with Big East Media Days in the books and Big Ten Media Days in the books for hoops, it's time. I wanted to give a few thoughts on Creighton and Nebraska basketball, especially for Jays fans. They've been flooding my mentions over the past handful of weeks, wanting some Creighton talk. Well, here you go, baby. Let's get into some Jays talk because we're just a few weeks away from tip-off. And same thing with Nebraska basketball. I mean, so this this pod is all hoops. I'm going to start with Creighton, and then I'm going to finish with some Nebraska basketball uh, nuggets to chew on. And speaking of something to to chew on, I found a really interesting stat because I thought it's always it's always good when you're doing some research and you think something, and then you dig into some numbers, and what you thought gets validated like emphatically with some numbers. So I got I got a very interesting little uh, research factoid for you at the end of the pod for Nebraska basketball. But I got to start with the Creighton Blue Jays uh, because y- you got a – it's it's poll season right now. The, the college basketball AP poll was released this week. The Big East preseason rankings as well. And with Creighton, the hype train is chugging along and on the tracks. AP top 25, Creighton comes in ranked ninth in the preseason AP poll. Highest preseason ranking in school history. And then for the Big East preseason poll, obviously Creighton was pegged number one, the favorites to win the conference. It's the first time the Jays have ever been picked to win the Big East since joining the league. Wow, right? So a couple of things to to chew on with that that I was thinking about. Tell you what, it's amazing what March can do for you. It's amazing. Think about... Think about who sits atop the AP poll in the preseason college basketball rankings, North Carolina, and then think about Creighton, who's at number nine. With with North Carolina, again, the preseason number one, in early February, North Carolina was a huge disappointment. Tar Heroes were were on the bubble, and it appeared like they were potentially going to miss the NCAA tournament, but they've, they kind of rallied late, finished the season strong, enough, including a huge win over Duke in Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor on March 5th to earn an NCAA tournament bid. They went on, they lost in the second round of the ACC tournament to Virginia Tech, but they got into the NCAA tournament as an eight seed. Well, we all know what happened. North Carolina smashes Marquette, then they beat the defending national champs, Baylor. They beat a UCLA team who was loaded, who was coming off a Final Four from two years ago. They smashed the Cinderella's of the tournament, St. Peter's. Then they beat Duke in the final four and lost in the title game to, to Kansas. And when you combine all that with the fact that they're returning a good chunk of their core, Armando Baycott, RJ Love, all the uh, RJ Davis, Caleb Love, those guys, you fast forward seven months, North Carolina's preseason number one. It's amazing to go from early February to now, quite the turnaround. Same thing with Creighton. Think about Creighton. I remember Creighton as the calendar turned to March last year. Creighton was squarely on the NCAA tournament bubble. They were hosting UConn and Seton Hall in the final week of the season in Omaha. I remember it vividly because I had both games on Fox on TV. And I remember talking with Greg McDermott at the shoot-around of the UConn game. And we were, I was talking to him about you know the NCAA tournament bubble situation, all that stuff. And he was a little nervous about their situation. 
given he didn't say this, but he was he said he was nervous, and it was obviously because of the lack of the non-conference quality wins. And then keep in mind, Ryan Nemhard had just broken his wrist slashed arm, so he was out. So now the, it gave a committee the committee maybe a reason to say, eh, they don't have their point guard. I don't know about that. So think about Creighton on March first was potentially not going to get in the NCAA tournament if things didn't go well. That was a real thing. But instead, in March, the Blue Jays beat UConn in Omaha. It's an amazing game. Lost to Seton Hall in the regular season finale. And then the Jays went to New York for the Big East tournament. They crush Marquette. They crush Providence, who was the Big East re- regular season champs. They play Villanova really tough in the Big East championship game at Madison Square Garden. And Creighton makes the NCAA tournament as a nine seed. Then in the first round, win a thriller in overtime over San Diego State. And then play the eventual national champs, Kansas, maybe tougher than anyone did in the NCAA tournament, had the ball down one with under one minute left to play. So you think about that. And you contrast that with where this team was at seven months ago, it's pretty amazing. Again, when you return a good chunk of your core, fast forwards seven months now, Creighton's in the preseason top 10. It's just amazing to think about. And it's, it's the beauty of March. It presents an opportunity on a variety of levels for everybody. So again, Creighton AP rank. Top top ten at ninth, picked to win the the Big East. I've had a lot of people ask me, and are the Jays that good? What are there? Is the hype warranted? Is this preseason hype warranted? And listen, I think it is. I, I think it is. Now I'll I'll dig I'll dig into this in a second. But there is no doubt, in my opinion, that I I think on paper Creighton is definitely one of the ten best teams in the country heading into the season. Again, on paper, I think ninth is totally fair. The top ten is as follows: North Carolina at number one. Then it's Gonzaga. They return Drew Timmy. Houston, Kelvin Sampson's got a machine going. Kentucky returns Oscar Shibwe. Kansas returns some pretty talented dudes. Baylor, then Duke, then UCLA, and then Creighton at number nine. And Arkansas rounds out the top ten. So I think I'm good with where Creighton's at at, at ninth, and I think it is absolutely warranted. And then with the Big East preseason poll, absolutely. Creighton is, to me, the obvious choice to – Pick number one. You you look at the rest of the league. Villanova loses Jay Wright and Colin Gillespie. Xavier, I think, is going to be pretty damn good, but they had a coaching change. Sean Miller's really good coach, but you know, it's a coaching change. UConn, this might be kind of a hot take. In my opinion, I think they I think UConn lost their two best players in RJ Cole and Tyrese Martin. Now they return Sonogo, who's a hell of a player, but UConn loses their two best players from last year. Providence lost everyone except Jared Bynum. Seton Hall had a coaching change and lost their best player in Jared Roden. I could go on and on, but you get the point. Creighton on paper to me is the easy choice to win the league. So now the whole dynamic shifts for Creighton. Creighton goes from the hunter to the hunted. Creighton goes from being able to play the everyone is doubting us card most years and trying to prove everyone wrong to now everyone is picking them and they got to prove everyone right. 
It's a totally different situation. But I actually like how Creighton, and the players in particular, how they're approaching this whole situation. So about a month ago, I hosted Creighton's it was Blue Jay Madness tip-off event at, uh, at, at SoCal Arena there on campus. It was September 16th. And you know, I, I interviewed Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman on the floor. And, you know, ask them about expectations heading into next year. You know, wh- you know what are the expectations for this team heading into, into, the, into this season? And I thought this was interesting how they answered it. So typically, when as a player or being on a team from a player's perspective, when dealing with expectations, when you get that expectations question, you, you usually go one of two ways and you go hard one of the two di- directions. You can either downplay the expectations or you totally embrace them. The players have decided clearly they are totally embracing them, totally embracing the expectations. Trey Alexander has said the goal is a national championship. Baylor Shireman has said the goal is a national championship. The players have embraced the hype. The players aren't running from it, which I like. Of course, you know, Greg McDermott has has pseudo downplayed them doing the whole, you know, listen, preseason ranks is all it's all based on what you did last year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which I get from his perspective. It doesn't make any sense to, you know, talk as a coach, get up there and have a bunch of bravado, right? I totally get from his perspective. I think how coaches handle that question versus how players handle that question is a different deal. And I like how Creighton's players seem to be embracing it. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little, bite-sized, delicious all white meat chicken that make any day better immediately. I love them. My wife loves them. My kids cannot get enough. Two-year-old Mac, six-year-old Mava are constantly wanting to get it popping. Great for a snack, great for a meal. Pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet Earth, and you are set. All I got to say is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. And to be honest with you, the, one of the reasons I think I, I like it is I think they have to in order to deal with them. Because like it or not, downplay it or not, the target is on their back. They ain't sneaking up on nobody. Everyone knocks them off, wants to knock them off. They're going to get almost everybody's best shot. Trust me, as a, when, you, when a team, top 10 team comes to town, ooh, baby. So there's a mentality that goes with that to deal with that. And I think the right mentality is to embrace that target. Now, the trick is to embrace that target, embrace the expectations, but don't forget the process of the grind and the work. 
that the team has to continue to work and grind, which I know they are. But I, I like how the players have handled the hype. And, you know, when people ask me about, about the team, you know, when you think about the, the Jays in the preseason top 10, you know, ranking and, and, you know, legit, is it warranted? What do you think? The line I've given some people is, is Creighton checks all the boxes right now. In order to be good in college basketball, especially in 2022, in order to be good in college basketball, you got to have CCCT. CCCT. Continuity, coaching, culture, and talent. CCCT. Continuity, coaching, culture, and talent. Creighton checks all those boxes. Continuity. With the transfer portal, it is really hard to return a good chunk of your core. It's really hard to have continuity. Creighton has that. Plus, sometimes words can can kind of insinuate other things. When I hear about continuity, usually that means experience as well. If you have great roster continuity, that usually means you're relatively experienced as well. Look at the teams who win titles nowadays. They usually are experienced and have continuity together. Just look at Kansas last year. Christian Brown, Ochai Abaji, David McCormick, Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris. Those guys had played a lot of basketball together. Plus guys like Remy Martin and Jalen Coleman-Lance were seniors. They were older. They were experienced. Well, you look at Creighton. They returned four of their top six scores from a year ago the team that went and stood toe-to-toe with Nova in Madison Square Garden the Big East Tournament Final. Nothing. I'm telling you right now, MSG on a Saturday night, Big East Finals, fuck. You, 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 better, be a, you better have some you-know-what to stand on that stage. NCAA Tournament, I was there courtside, overtime. You, 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 better, not, you, you better not be weak-hearted for that. You, there is valuable experience in that. So the returning guys have that experience. There's good continuity there. Plus, they added one of the best transfers in the country in Baylor Shireman, a guy that has played in the NCAA tournament multiple times. Continuity and experience. Check. Coaching. You better have a good coach. And Creighton has a great one. Hard to be a legit top 10 team. Think about making a Final Four run with an average coach. And Greg McDermott is anything but average. He's one of the best coaches in the country. You guys know I feel about him. Check that box. Culture. College sports, largely about culture. College basketball is a culture sport. You better have a winning culture if you want to sustain success for a season for a season and for years, and Creighton does. Creighton has has had a winning basketball culture, and Greg McDermott has really built something special in that regard. They aren't a flash in the pan. The foundation is solid. Check that box. And then talent. Let's not kid ourselves. There still is a non-negotiable level of talent you got to have if you think you're a top 10 team, you think you're going to go to the Final Four, you got those kinds of aspirations. There's a non-negotiable level of talent if those are your that's your where your sights are set. Creighton's got talent. 
Reigning Big East Defensive Player of the Year, Ryan Kalkbrenner. Reigning Big East Freshman of the Year, Ryan Nemhart. Projected first-round pick, Arthur Kaluma. Baylor Shireman, reigning Summit League Player of the Year. And on the NBA radar, Trey Alexander was on the all-freshman team. You guys saw what he did last year towards the end of the year. Top 10 teams have pros, and Creighton has pros. Check that box. So, like I said, Creighton checks all the boxes. Creighton checks a lot of the boxes that warrant a top 10 ranking. Now, they got to go out there and prove it. I'm not saying, I mean, you got to go out there and, and do it. But to me, the, the top 10 ranking, the Big East preseason number one ranking, all warranted. All warranted. One of the underrated things with this team, an underrated element of this Creighton team I really like, is we all know about how talented the starting five is. Ryan Nemhard, Trey Alexander, Bailey Shireman, Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Kalkbrenner. I mean, damn, that's a good starting five. But what I really like is that Creighton's going to bring two really experienced guards off the bench in Sharif Mitchell, who's played a ton of basketball as a redshirt junior, had a medicals redshirt last year because of a groin problem. But think about his, his career. He was playing quite a bit at the end of the season two years ago when Creighton went to the Sweet 16. Really under the radar, important player, especially when he checks in, he can change the complexion of a game with his defense. If there's one thing that Creighton doesn't necessarily have is like a dude that can go out there and dictate tempo and change the complexion of the game at that guard spot, heating up the opposing team's ball handler. Sharif Mitchell can do that. And then there's Francisco Farabello, the senior transfer from TCU. He's played in over 75 career games, 20 minutes a game for TCU last year, who went to the NCAA tournament, almost beat number one seeded Arizona in the second round. Those two guys coming off the bench for Creighton is something I really like. It is always nice when you go to your bench and you have dudes that have been through the wars. Farabello has played at Allen Fieldhouse. Sharif Mitchell played against undefeated Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 two years ago. Those two dudes have been through the wars. They're not going to be bright-eyed and peeing down their leg. No. I love that Creighton can go to the bench and bring in two experienced grown men. The guard play in general is just, is. I mean, you think Nemhard, Alexander, Shireman. You think about Shreve Mitchell, Farabella, Kaluma as a swing forward who can handle it. Really good guards there. And again, the experience off the bench, underrated component and feather in the cap for Creighton. I, real quick, last thing on the Jays. And by the way, Jays fans, don't worry. I'm going to start ramping up the Creighton content, baby. And we're going to get way more in depth with my season prediction pod and all those sorts of things. But the last thing before I get into some Husker Hoops stuff. You know, I'm watching Big Ten Media Days and everything that comes out. And I get, I get how on paper there wasn't a home run easy pick for Big East Player of the Year. I get that. I'm not going to be disingenuous and act like there was an obvious pick, like a Colin Gillespie from last year or something like that. But for me, I would have given the preseason player of the year to Ryan Kalkbrenner. I think he kind of got snubbed there. Instead, Adama Sonogo, UConn big man, got that nod as the preseason Big East player of the year. And listen, I, I, I won't massage you. I just flat out think Kalkbrenner's a better player. 
You give me a choice. I can have Ryan Kalk. I'm starting a team. I can have Kalkbrenner or Sonogo. I'm taking Ryan Kalkbrenner. Kalkbrenner is the reigning Big East Defensive Player of the Year. He's way more impactful on that end. Now, he may not be quite as good offensively as Sonogo, but I think Kalkbrenner is far from a stiff on offense. He is capable, and I think he's getting better there. You look at Kalkbrenner last year, 13 points per game, 7 rebounds, 2.6 blocks. Sonogo was 14 points per game, 8 rebounds. So, you know, similar numbers in terms of points and rebounds. But Kalkbrenner was 2-0 against Sonogo last year, by the way. I just look at it, and to me... I would have given the preseason player year the Kalkbrenner. I'm not ready to you know turn on the mic and go ballistic about it, but I mean, listen, he's the he was the defensive player of the year last year. His team is picked to win the league. He would have been my pick. That's just me. That's just me. Okay, let me shift to uh, Nebraska basketball. So obviously, totally different situations from from Creighton to Husker hoops. Creighton's picked number one in their conference preseason poll. Nebraska's picked last in the Big Ten preseason media poll. And it's not too surprising, right? 14 teams in the Big Ten. Nebraska has finished 14th, 14th, and 13th in the last three years. So I get it. I have a lot to learn about this team. And I I, I think everyone, me included, is intrigued and kind of in, in watch, wait, and see mode. I'm willing to say it. I still believe in Fred Hoiberg as a coach. That guy knows what he's doing. I like Fred a lot. Fred knows a lot about basketball. Fred Hoiberg is a guy I still believe in. And hopefully these these past three years in the Big Ten have helped him understand what it takes to win in the Big Ten. It's amazing. There's so many parallels between Hoiberg and Frost in they were like offensive-minded guys, came from different leagues, thought they could kind of walk into the league and do what they do regardless of what's around them. And, and they both have kind of had their growing pains. Obviously, Frost is now out, you know, but Hoiberg has, I, I go through three years of, of learning these things. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. You know, hopefully the past three years in the Big Ten have helped him understand what it takes to win in the Big Ten. Because I, I, I'll tell you, man, covering college basketball the way I do, doing calling games for Fox is going to be my ninth year with, with FS1, doing stuff for the Big Ten Network, covering college basketball the way I do, I'm going to tell you, that league is different, man. It's the Big Ten, it's just built a little different. It's a paint, it's a size, it's a physical, it's a rebounding, it's a five-man center-oriented league. It's one of the few leagues where the league is, it's built inside out. 
meaning its bigs are usually better than its guards. I, it's crazy. You Big Ten, it's just bizarre. It's almost like the Big Ten is in like 1986 or something like that. You know, it's like it's like great five man, great great pure five man after great pure five man after great pure five man. And that creates an interesting situation if you aren't equipped inside, which I don't think Nebraska has been since Fred Hoiberg arrived. And despite the Big Ten's issues in March, which are well-documented, that doesn't change the fact that the grind of, of this, this conference, the Big Ten, is real given its physicality, coaching continuity, and great big man play. So I think some of the lessons are already revealing itself in the roster makeup for Fred Hoiberg. Nebraska was one of the smallest teams in the country the last few years, especially last year. And then you look at this year, they have a chance to actually have some size out there. Blaze Kieda, 6'11", junior college transfer. Derek Walker is back. He he can bang a bit at 6'9". He's also looked like he's put on a little weight to me, too. Jawan Gary from Bama, 6'6", strong. Wilhelm Breidenbach is back at 6'10". Even a guy like Sam Griesel is 6'7", at the point guard spot. So this team, on paper, is bigger. Now, bigger doesn't always solve everything, but it helps. Speaking of solving things, something stood out to me at, at Big Ten Media Days as I was watching and listening. So ne- Nebraska had a lot to fix tangibly. Size, rebounding, shooting, decision-making, etc. But I could argue Nebraska basketball had more to fix intangibly. Toughness, effort, chemistry, physicality. And it sounds like that has been addressed or is being addressed and is being emphasized. At least that is the chatter with Hoiberg and what he is saying and the players when they talk. There is a non-negotiable level of toughness and effort and physicality to win at this level, and that just hasn't been there for Nebraska. I shouldn't say that. It, it wasn't there last year. That was severely lacking a year ago. They just didn't play hard enough. They didn't, they didn't play physical enough. There wasn't consistent enough effort. And some of it isn't just size, really. Some of it is just like sprinting back every play defensively and talking and getting organized and transition defensively. Those kinds of things. Communicating in the half court. Like all those things, all those things, there's a non-negotiable level of toughness, effort, and physicality to win at this level. And that just wasn't there last year. So for me, I like that the chatter from the players and coaches has been more so about the intangible things than anything else. Because again, I could argue that the intangibles were as much or more of an issue than anything else. And that is saying something because the tangible deficiencies last year were abundant. I'll finish with this. Again, I'm going to get more in-depth on things with my Nebraska basketball preview before the season. But I was I was thinking I was thinking about 
I was thinking about this with North Dakota State transfer and Lincoln native Sam Griesel, who I'm just so excited to watch at Nebraska. But I was thinking about North Dakota State transfer, Lincoln native Sam Griesel transferring to Nebraska. Here was, here was the question that kept popping in my head. Can Griesel play fast? And does Hoiberg still want to play fast? Sam Griesel is more of a methodical point guard than a push-tempo point guard, in my opinion, based on what I've seen. If he's running the show, which it sounds like he's going to be, how fast is this team playing? It goes without saying that if Fred Hoiberg wants to be a push-pace, push-tempo, play-fast team, the captain obvious point is you better have a point guard who can push-tempo and is good playing fast. I've been outspoken with this. Nebraska somewhat lacked that component with its point guards. You think about point guard play since Hoiberg has arrived. Cam Mack, year one, really fast, way too erratic. Delano Banton, year two, was a slower, more methodical player. Alonzo Verge, last year, wasn't a pure point guard. He was more of a scorer. He was more of a combo guard than he was a pure point guard. I like Sam Griesel a lot. But I wonder how Fred Hoiberg will want to use him, use him in terms of pushing the pace. Think about this. This was the stat I, I dug up. Think about this for a second. North Dakota State, where Sam Griesel transferred from. Here are their ranks. Here is where they ranked in the country for average offensive possession length. So the average average length of time you're on offense before you take a shot. This, these are on Ken Palm's analytic pages. Here's where North Dakota State ranked in the country average possession length. Keep in mind, this is out of 353 teams. Here's where North Dakota State, State ranked. 336th, 320th, 330th, 267th. By contrast... Here is where Nebraska, over the last three years, under Fred Hoiberg, has ranked in average possession length. 18th, 19th, 5th. So this is a dramatically different pace than Sam Griesel played at North Dakota State. So I'm curious what all that looks like. Does Fred Hoiberg want Sam Griesel to run the show and and push the pace and play fast? Is Sam Griesel, is he good and effective in that kind of a game? Again, I've always thought he was more of a slower, methodical, use his size kind of a point guard at six foot seven. He could kind of post point guards up and back them down. Like that's what I always that's how I always viewed Griesel. But maybe he can let it rip in the open floor too. I know that is how Fred Hoiberg wants to play. But the question is, can Griesel play that way? Is he effective that way? Is he maximizing that way? It's interesting. And I can't wait to find out. 